This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. They're dogs and they're playing poker. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and let me be the first to welcome you to 2019. Help yourself to some of the leftover cheese dip and fruit tray from our party the other night. Sit yourself down and enjoy the show. I mean, what a show we have for you. Because today, helping us kick off the new year by reminding us all that you, my friend, you are a badass every day. We welcome Jen Sincero. But for no extra charge, in our headline segment, we'll share a piece for your boss this New Year's. Maybe their 2019 resolution should be to help you save more money. Wouldn't that be great? But that's not all. On today's New Year's spectacular show, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to Mike, who, like a good son, called in to ask how his mom should manage her portfolio. And to be completely dazzling, we're going to earn a standing ovation with something totally different. I'm going to march 21 cats across a replica of the Brooklyn Bridge, a feat no other financial show would even try to replicate. Because it's so dangerous, I'm afraid. And now, two guys who haven't made a podcast together since last year, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. It has been a long time, hasn't it? Two days. Gosh, all the way since last year. Last year, dude. Oh, man, it's difficult. How long do you take before you start writing the, the year correctly? Like April? At least. June, maybe. I have to say, I was really tired one day in like mid-October, and I could not for the life of me remember what year it was. That is so bad. It doesn't, it doesn't get any better. I haven't started doing the old guy thing yet, but I know it's coming pretty soon. Where <laughs> you, so says you. <laughs> <laughs> where you I'm sitting right here, dude. Where you remember it, you remember the, the year by like, oh, that's the year that your kid was born, or that's the year that your you know, kid graduated, yeah. whatever it is. I still have a hard time figuring that out. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Old Guy Discussions podcast, kicking off 2019 with a big spectacular from Doug. Check out this replica of the Brooklyn Bridge, popsicle sticks. Nice. It's amazing. I saw one made out of chocolate once. Of the Brooklyn Bridge? Yeah. That's fabulous. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Popsicle sticks can go (laughs) take a hike. Sorry, Dougie. He's so excited to kick off the new year a great way. Hey, you know how you kick off the new year in a great way, OG? You head to Skillshare. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Skillshare is offering you, just because you listen to the show, two months 
of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. You know how a lot of places you go sign up for classes and you take one and then they bait you to take another one. And next thing you know, your wallet's empty. One fee, take as many classes as you want by people like... Anything that interests you. Well... 25,000 lion items. I'm doing uh, a class on DSLR camera work because I've had a DSLR camera forever and it's phenomenal. But Gary V teaches a class. I know a lot of people listen to this, probably listen to Gary Vanderchuk, the guy who mm-hmm. always seems like he should go take a nap. <laughs> like, <laughs> like seriously, he's going to just a hundred miles an hour. Settle down. Damn. Take a breath. Yes. But you'll be glad that uh, he didn't because he's got a class here on Skillshare. 25,000 classes to sign up for Skillshare. Head to Skillshare.com and then slash SB. That's Skillshare.com slash SB. Thanks to Skillshare. 2019, we're giving you a lot of uh, free time there. Also, thanks a ton to LinkedIn for supporting Stacky Benjamins. You know, with the new year ahead, it's a great time to set goals and to make sure that those are going to be some strong goals for you and your business. Making that perfect hire can set your team up for success. Find the right people for your business this year at linkedin.com slash SB. And you know what's going to happen? going to get $50 off your first job post. It's linkedin.com slash SB to get $50 off your first job post. LinkedIn.com slash SB terms and conditions apply. Great show. No terms and conditions apply to this year podcast. Well, you got to have an appreciation, I think, for dad jokes and also an appreciation for becoming a badass because Jen Sincero coming back to the basement because, oh, gee, you're a badass every day. I don't know if you know that. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I do. I, I knew that already, but I You're appreciate welcome. you recognizing it. Great show today. Jensen Sarah waiting upstairs with mom. So let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. First headline of the new year comes to us from Napa-Net, the National Association of Plan Advisors. This is written by Ted Godbout. Check this out, OG. Why employers should care about employee financial stress. You know, it's funny. It's you, you see all the time employers not really teaching their employees anything about financial literacy. And I've even had employers tell me, they're like, why should I teach them how to manage their money? I give them a paycheck. It's their job to take care of it. Well, it ends up hurting them way more than they might think. Uh, while some may be dismissive of the notion, new research makes the case that employers should care about their employees' stress levels If they aren't already, personal finances are a significant cause of stress, which can lead to lost productivity, a diminished ability to save for retirement and adverse health effects. But helping employees reduce their financial worries shows promise for employers, according to John Hancock's fifth annual financial stress survey of 1,352 retirement plan participants. Listen to this. The findings reveal 69% of workers are stressed over their finances, costing companies an estimated $2,000 per employee. 2000 bucks per person that works for you. Well, just think about it. You and I have both talked about how in our lives we've had lots of debt and we've had times where we've had not any. And not having any reduces so much stress in your life. Like everything else goes good. But when, when money starts having an issue or there's you know stuff creeping in your life that's like it takes over your thought process and it takes over like... You know, you just might be staring. I mean, I've had this, right? Where you're just kind of, you're sitting there working, and but in the back of your mind, you're thinking about like, 
oh man, I got to really, I got to figure out a way to fix that. I, and, yeah. and then all of a sudden you start going down that rabbit hole and whatever you were just working on is now the second thought. And if you're doing that at work, you know, you're losing productivity, easily losing productivity. And then all the other stuff that goes with that stress and anxiety and sickness and behavior and, you know, your just general demeanor and stuff like that. So if you can, if you're an employer and you can help make this better through financial literacy, education programs, whatever. It helps you. Um, yeah, you're going to, you're, you'll be rewarded. Not, not you know, you're not going to see it dollar for dollar line item, but you're going to see your employees morale be better, which is going to lead to better, uh, well, the, the productivity. interesting part of this survey is it also shows that 76% of respondents cited a lack of retirement savings as the leading factor affecting their stress. Which again would make employers go, well, I don't want them to retire. I need them. I need them here. What's funny is I remember management guru Tom Peters talking about this, about how the best managers are the ones who help their employees build their resume more so they can leave, which seems just totally counterintuitive. Why would I help my employee build a better resume so that they can leave? And he said that, that the best managers, because they are so giving to their employees, you know what ends up happening? The great people don't leave. And if by chance they do leave, you know what happens? They end up talking to everybody about how great that place was that they worked and they have such good skills because their boss helped them create good skills that it still in, in, in their community gives them a ton of good feelings and accolades. Yeah. Your job as a leader in an organization is to help your employees do better. And if they can do better within your organization, then you know you want to keep promoting them and keep moving them up and giving them more responsibilities. If they've maxed out where they are, your job is to help them find something that's as good and as challenging, even if that means that they've got to go somewhere else. And um, if you're a good if you're a good leader, you're constantly looking out for your people and its career progression, its you know financial decisions and that sort of stuff too. To help deal with the stress, more than two in five respondents believe that they'd be more productive if they didn't spend time worrying about their finances at work. Moreover, three in five think that getting financial advice at work would reduce their stress, and 65% believe it would help them start saving more for retirement. When asked what financial issues they'd like help with, 75% said retirement income preparation aid. We talked about that. Followed by Social Security and Medicare claiming, 60%, and debt counseling at 32%. As far as how they'd like to see their advice, 30% say they'd like face-to-face meetings with a financial professional. I, I used to actually do that when I go work with companies where we help them manage their retirement plans. I'd go mm-hmm. in and have 10-minute meetings, a free 10-minute meeting with a financial planner. Just come in, make sure you ask your question fairly quickly because we're going to move on, but we just uh, knock out as many of those as possible. Using online investment tools and services at 24%. Online chat with a financial professional was next. Webinars after that, and then last was by phone. Crazy stuff. Obviously, the, the number two reason, by the way, people were stressed out, college loans. Number three was monthly rent payment. Number four, lack of emergency savings. And then number five was overall current financial situation. As you start thinking about your year as a business owner or your year as a leader in an organization, one of the things you might want to put in there is just some financial wellness times throughout the, uh, throughout the year, a couple of quarterly meetings or something like that. 
That'll go a long way. You know, I know we've got uh, Skillshare on board for this particular show. OG, it just reminds me of something that Austin Kleon, the the management guru slash artist. And by the way, if you haven't read Steal Like an Artist, you really owe it to yourself to read that book. Go back and listen to our interview with him maybe a couple of years ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but Austin talks about how even helping your employees, uh, giving them... A, like ongoing education in other areas outside of work or organizing stuff that has nothing to do with work. Cause the more people get creative outside of their work in areas that don't seem to have anything to do with it. You're like this. I'm sure you probably have your best ideas about work when you're away from work, doing something completely different. Like when you, when you're just nose to the grindstone, not many good ideas, not much excitement flowing, but man, you go do something else and all of a sudden, you you realize, oh, I can take this and use this over here in my job. I know what happens to you because you call me while you're running. <laughs> I have an idea about the upcoming podcast. And I'm like, dude, seriously, you can call me in like 10 minutes when you go down. <laughs> well, you know how everybody feels about every time I go to Disney. I, I always get back from Disney and I know you guys are all like, oh, crap. Here comes Joe's idea flow. Our second piece comes to us from Investment News. This is written by Dale Brown. Expanding field of behavioral science provides key insights for advisors. Found this interesting for the new year OG because I think this is a big trend. With the role of the independent advisor continuing to evolve towards serving as a financial life coach for clients, behavioral finance training and insights are becoming more crucial every day across our profession. Of course, they say our profession because Investment news is for investing professionals. The Financial Services Institute's proud to play a vital part in helping to advance the industry's understanding of this important discipline. At a recent FSI forum event, Mariel Beasley of Duke University Center for Advanced Hindsight. I love that idea. Advanced hindsight, like learning lessons, I think, more quickly in hindsight. That's just very creative provided a compelling and eye-opening look at how advisors can more effectively employ behavioral finance techniques to embrace their role as choice architects for clients. And in the process, help clients not only make better portfolio management decisions, but healthier financial choices in their lives overall. I find this interesting. You find OG over your career, you're spending more time as a behavioral life coach and less time as an investment advisor or helping them figure out their risk management strategy, whatever it might be? I happened into this, I can't remember, maybe about five or six years ago, where it seemed to me that I had seen just about everything money-related already. You know what I mean? Like Maybe about 15 years into my career, I recognized that there was everything else that was going to happen had already happened in terms of how people respond to things or you know, market cycles and that sort of thing. So I have made a conscious effort over the last uh, half decade or so to help people think about where the puck is going. And the last year in particular was pretty interesting because, you know, everybody says the same thing about investment behavior, let's say, as an example. Oh, yeah, I'll stay the course. I'll stay the course. Did in 2008. It's like, yeah, you had 10 grand in 2008. Now you got 600,000. It's a lot different when your portfolio goes down a thousand bucks versus when it goes down sixty thousand right, bucks. Right. Same ten percent, ten percent. You know, and we call them lifeboat drills. But, but I like challenging the conversation with clients because, you know, while we've had us had similar you know ups and downs and stuff like that before, uh, you've never had as much 
money as you do today, generally. So how you behave 10 years ago with this is maybe not necessarily how you're going to behave now. And it may not be how you behave 10 years from now either, because things are going to continually change. So I think it's really important to put barriers in front of yourself from decision-making, especially during bad, you know, kind of in the last couple months have been pretty volatile. Sure. And starting to hear, you know, like, well, what should we do? It's like, what should we do? Nothing. We already talked about this, but we forget about it. In order for advisors to effectively guide clients toward better financial outcomes, Ms. Beasley says, it's important to understand that all of us have built-in cognitive hurdles and tendencies that often lead to poor financial choices or procrastination. Just like you said, we we, we want to be active when it comes to our money when things are going poorly, and usually it's it's hard for us to sit. But uh, first, people struggle to conceptualize the trade-offs across timeframes and asset categories that are inherent in financial choices. We can easily draw comparisons between buying one car or another, but we find it difficult to think through the choice between spending $35,000 on a car today versus investing that money to provide a potential source of income in retirement. Another key factor is that humans are inherently social beings relying on cues from those around us to tell us what we should do. Unfortunately, most of what we see is consumption behavior. People love to post vacation restaurant pictures on Instagram, but you'll never see friends post a photo of their new insurance policy or how much money they just <laughs> moved into their savings account. Look at this great DI contract. I Bam. Uh, yeah. yeah. Look at my premiums. Fantastic. That would be, we should do an Instagram account that's all that. Check out the DI, baby. <laughs> I just got my life insurance. Just changed the beneficiary to my trust. Woo. Move 2750 over to savings. Bam. <laughs> uh, the result is that our spending is disproportionately driven by others' consumption rather than by careful consideration of our own long term needs. As Miss Beasley says, there's a very sad study from the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia that shows that if your neighbor wins the lottery, you are more likely to have to file for bankruptcy because of our natural tendency to want to keep up. Have you seen that? Your neighbor wins the lottery, oh, yeah. you go bankrupt. Well, it's, I mean, gosh, it's doesn't even have to have your neighbor doesn't even have to have, win the lottery. <laughs> I mean, just if your neighbor joins the country club and you like golf or your neighbor goes to spring break in Aspen, you're like, oh, we should go to spring break in Key West. You know, I mean, it's that kind of keeping up with the Joneses stuff is very subtle sometimes. But do you think, as, as I think about this, I think this piece is right on that advisors more and more are becoming, in the words of this piece, choice architects and helping people with behavioral finance. Do you think, though, that the training that new advisors are getting is preparing them for the sea change where more often than not, you're not dealing with the nuts and bolts, you're dealing with the human tendencies. I mean, I feel like you're more of a psychologist than ever before. And I don't remember getting a ton of psychology training. I just remember that I've always kind of been good at that, but not the formal training. I think that this probably deserves. Our profession is going to continue to evolve beyond, you know, stock picking, mutual fund picking, asset allocation, and, you know, advisors of the future will continue to learn more and more and more about this. And I think the good advisors today recognize already that that's not the business they're in, is not in stock picking. I like to tell clients that I don't, I don't have a dog in the hunt as it relates to what they decide to do with their money. My job is to help them understand the impacts of the decisions that they want to make. You know, So if you want to buy a convertible sports car because you just turned 40 and that's what you read about on, you know, in a magazine somewhere that that's your thing, 
Okay. Sounds like fun. I mean, they're really fun. Convertibles are cool. Here's the impact. And you have to decide whether or not that's a good enough trade-off of, well, it's going to cost you three years of retirement, or now you can only send your kids to half a college, you know, costs or something like that. And those are the trade-offs. I think that's what good financial planners do is, you know, I'm not going to pass my value judgment on it. If you want to have the $400 NFL Sunday ticket package for DirecTV, it's cool. Have at it, man. It's all right. Some people would look at that and find that foolish, but I don't, it doesn't matter to me. I want to show you the impact of your decision making. Yeah. If it's what you like, something has to give in a different area instead. That's right. I think uh, that's lesson number one. Lesson number two is if you're somebody that owns a business, might want to think about uh, what type of financial education you're providing to employees. And if you work at a business, maybe uh, go to our show notes page and print off that piece and put it anonymously on your boss's desk. There you go. Well, Jen Sincero is waiting upstairs, but earlier we said that uh, this show is brought to you by Skillshare. And I want to say just a couple words about them, OG, because this is the time of year to develop new skills. Decide really where you're headed with 2019 before 2019 decides where it's headed for you. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? It's it's funny. I read this great piece that said, do not check your email at the beginning of the day because what it says is everybody else's stuff is more important than yours. If you start answering emails yeah. at the beginning of the day, you're just answering everybody else's problems. Take care of your own stuff first. And I think that's what Skillshare does for you in 2019 and beyond. What is Skillshare? Well, it's an online learning community for creators. There's more than 25,000 classes in design, business, and more. As I mentioned, I'm taking a photography class through Skillshare myself. I also created a list. You want to hear my list? Yeah. I like this small class on flexing your creativity with drawings and doodles. I feel like a lot of the time I'm, I'm stuck on social media anyway. Why not make it more fun? And uh, by having drawings and doodles and making our social media presence stand out, I think would be a a good time and be something I've always been interested in. I draw my stick. People don't even look like stick people. <laughs> well, I'm not much of an artist, but I like it for business purposes. The one that's got my attention right now is uh, speeding up workflow processes. So trying to take yeah. everything that, that we do for the podcast, everything I do for my business and saying, well, how do I, how do I break that down into little teeny tiny pieces so that, you know, we can deliver better experience for clients, whether it's on the show like this or, or better experience for, you know, our financial planning clients. Well, and I'm thinking, talking about presentation on the show or even for you with clients, I love this, this one by Simon Sinek, presentation essentials, how to share ideas that inspire action. If anybody knows how that works. If anybody's got that one down, that would be him, huh? Uh, how about uh, Soledad O'Brien talking about powerful storytelling uh, strategies mm-hmm. for creating great contact. Gary Vaynerchuk, I mentioned earlier, context is key, social media strategy in a noisy online world. So for what, what you and I do, those are a few, but they're all over the place. I mean, Skillshare has classes across the board from social media marketing, mobile photography, creative writing, illustration. Whether you're looking to discover something new, a new passion, you're going to start your side hustle in 2019 or get new professional skills, it's there to keep you learning, thriving, and reaching those New Year's goals. Here's the deal. If you go directly to Skillshare, you'll get a little time free, but we're going to give you two months because you listen to Stacky Benjamins. First two months on us, 
Skillshare.com slash SB. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash SB to start your two months now at Skillshare.com slash SB. Jen Sincero upstairs, she, of course, uh, wrote the huge New York Times bestseller, You Are a Badass, How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start Living an Awesome Life. That sold, of course, over 2 million copies. We talked to her first when she wrote the next New York Times bestseller, You're a Badass at Making Money. She describes herself, OG, as a motivational kettle prod. I absolutely love that. Success success coach, bestselling author. She's helped tons of people transform their personal and professional lives via her speaking engagements, products, newsletters, seminars, and of course, her books. We are so happy that uh, Jen is kicking off the new year being your cattle prod into 2019. Let's say hello to Jen Sincero. And coming down the stairs to the basement, it's our good friend Jen Sincero. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? Good. I have to ask you, by the way, Happy New Year. Do, do you make New Year's resolutions? I actually do. Yeah, I do. And this year, it's all about getting in shape. Do you find that you stick to your New Year's resolutions? Do they disappear during the malaise of the year? You know, as mm. life kind of takes over. How long do your New Year's resolutions last? Actually pretty good at them because I make them really simple and achievable and chunked down. So... I am going to start working with this personal trainer as soon as I'm back from tour and everything's calmed down a bit. I really believe the key to, to New Year's resolutions is chunking it down and making it very quantifiable and staying attached to the result. And I have a lot of pain in my right leg right now. So this is all about healing that and getting strong. How important is having that coach in your corner, by the way, Jen? Oh, I think it is. If you're serious about changing your life in a very specific department, you have to have a coach. Olympic athletes have coaches, people. Why do we think we don't need them? Yeah, I wonder that. I wonder that often myself. And by the way, you talk about in your new book, you talk about you are what you surround yourself with, what you feed your brain every Mm -hmm. day. I was wondering about you. I mean, obviously you're on this long book tour. What do you feed your brain with every day? What do you surround yourself with personally? You know, I don't know if it's all the work I've done or if it's just age, but I have no tolerance for people who don't rise to the occasion and who are complainy and not going for what they want in their lives. I just, I just don't have time. It's so boring to me at this point. That's funny because I had a mentor tell me, stay away from clusters of misery. And it sounds like, sounds like you're saying the exact same thing. Yeah. And I, and I've gotten so much more direct and I don't take it on myself and I don't feel like I'm a bad person for not being someone's friend who isn't lighting me up and who isn't, you know, bringing something to the party. It's such a, you know what it is? It's exhausting when you're dragging that kind of stuff around. I just feel like I have so much energy by surrounding myself with really great people who I truly enjoy. Do you find that there's times of days that are important to you, like when you wake up or when you go to bed? Mm. Do you have these special, you know, I guess, refocus times? 
Absolutely. I'm such a morning person and I'm really defensive about my morning time. It's when I think the best. It's when I can meditate the best. It's when it's, it's one of the juiciest times of day for me. What do you do so then? I guard it. Well, that's what I was going to ask. You, you kind of then organize your day around, like you evaluate what your best time is for you and then rearrange your day according to that. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's a really important thing to bring up because if you have the luxury of managing your time like that, figuring out what's best for you. I mean, my sister, it's like she's been clubbed to death every morning that she wakes up. Like she can't get it together in the morning. She is not a morning person. I bounce out of bed. Like I've been up for hours and had a pot of coffee already. So I know that's my juiciest time. And I, um, I really get the the big stuff done then if I can. I don't think you need a pot of coffee, Jen, just with your energy. (laughs) Like you could probably lay off the coffee and you'd still be okay. Well, I've had a pot of coffee just by the way. <laughs> I think that when we talk about what's important for your for your day and getting through your day, we talked just a little bit there about mantras, but what else is important to your everyday? You know, these days that are just the average day, nothing special day. Mm. What's important about those days to really make yourself more of a badass? Um, going to the spiritual gym, as I call it. And that really is what the new book, You Are Badass Every Day, is hoping to help people with is just short snippets of motivational juice, you know? So I think it's really important for everybody to have some kind of practice in place, whatever works for you, whether it's listening to a playlist that makes you feel like you could go out and flip over a car or meditating or saying your affirmations or getting on the phone with your mastermind partner or meditating, whatever it is, you have got to have a routine down, even if it's just 10 minutes a day. That will so massively transform your life. And it's essential if you're serious about being a badass. Is there a big mistake people make when they start their day? I honestly feel like one of the biggest mistakes is getting online, like immediately opening your eyes and checking how many people liked your Instagram picture or getting sucked out into the ethers instead of waking up and noticing that space between the sleep state and the waking state. That's such like, what the hell happens to us when we go to sleep, by the way? Like, where do we go? So I think that is such a juicy time to connect to the other side and sit in that space of being more in tune with your intuition, which is our best friend when it comes to really manifesting huge things. You seem like somebody who might even journal what you dreamt about. I have to confess, I hate journaling. I never write. Really? I absolutely have to. Yes. (laughs) And you've written three books. I told people to do it. Yeah, I'm more of a reader. Like I, yeah, journaling has just never been my jam. I I do it when I'm desperate, when I'm really working something out or I can't understand why something is happening. I have to force myself to journal, but I, yeah, I excel in other areas. Let's put it that way. (laughs) But but I think, Jen, this is an important part of your books. I mean, with your last book, uh, You're a Badass at Making Money. And in this book, it feels a lot like it's less about knowing the world around you and knowing about who you are inside. And a lot of people are so worried about the world around them that they're not paying enough attention to Mm. the stuff we talked about. So true. And that's where everything stems from. You know, if you can get out of that state of comparing yourself to others, uh, worrying about judgments of others and getting in tune with that intuitive side of yourself and that, you know, your superhero self, which is, 
found and, and what brings you joy and what you desire out of life and what lights you up. That's the essence of who you are. And that's all that freaking matters is getting in touch with that and allowing yourself to experience that. We obviously can't go through all the steps of getting to badassery, but if somebody's just lost in the weeds, where do you tell them to start? By becoming aware. Awareness is the key to freedom and becoming aware of what you're thinking, what you're believing and what you're saying and pulling yourself out of this quote unquote truth about your reality. For example, for me, when I was broke living in a garage in my forties, I truly believed that I sucked at making money. I was like, I have all this proof around me. I am living in a garage and I am in my forties. So that must be the truth, right? So it wasn't until I became aware of the fact that I was subscribing to this truth that was making me very unhappy that I was like, well, all these other people are doing it and what's my problem? So unhooking myself from that belief and being like, okay, I need a new belief. I need a new life. And having the audacity to believe that money flows to me easily and freely and just clinging to that truth instead and demanding of myself that I prove that to myself now and find evidence of that instead of finding evidence of, um, I can't afford it and I suck at making money. Does that mean changing the importance of the garage you're living in? What do you mean? Well, I mean, I mean that it seems to me if I'm living in a garage, I'm thinking to myself, man, I suck because I live in a garage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And seeing the garage, being grateful for the garage, being grateful that I even have a garage to live in, but also being very aware that this is a stepping stone and that this is not, you know, you don't become a victim to your environment. You believe what's inside of you instead of what's outside of you. I love that, how it's all about changing your mentality, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Mindset really is everything because the actions we take are completely dictated by whatever we got going on in our heads. So if you believe that the best you can do is a garage, you get to live there forever. But if you believe that you can create whatever you desire, then you get that. I had to laugh because you illustrate this so well in your new book, because you and I share one thing in common. We yell at drivers in front of us. <laughs> and you've got this awesome oh, story about yelling at drivers and about how that kind of clicked. Can you tell us that story? Oh my gosh. Well, I live in a tiny town that's in the mountains and it's full of elderly seniors who will not surrender their driver's licenses. And I, I'm from New York, I'm impatient. <laughs> and I know that my, my quest on earth is to learn patience. I know that I'm getting probably like a, a C minus at this point, <laughs> but, um, so I wrote a story in the book about how I know that that is, you put me behind the wheel of the car and I turn into a maniac. So I tell this story and talk about how becoming aware of what triggers you is so empowering. So I know every time I sit in my car, I got a post-it note, like you are getting in the car now, wake up. And it's about, there is inevitably going to be somebody in front of me on a one lane street going five to 10 miles below the speed limit. Let's take a breath and let's keep it in perspective. And, um, you are on a ball in infinite space. This moment right here really is not that big a deal. <laughs> <laughs> not proud, but working my way through it. <laughs> that is so me. My daughter yelled at me one day. She said, she said, dad, you yell at everybody on the road. And my son started <laughs> laughing and she goes, what's funny, Nick. And he said, dad likes yelling at drivers. And I totally do. And I realized, <laughs> 
So I was reading your book going, oh, I, I think I have to change that though. I have to just become <laughs> uh, a little more intentional. Well, I mean, you get upset and stress is the leading cause of death, right? So I'm not down for that. <laughs> right. Uh, but on the other side, you talk about becoming more intentional. Obviously, you can't be intentional about everything. What do you do with the rest of your life? Do you automate the stuff that's not as important? Tell me about those things. Yeah, I think overwhelm is one of the quickest killers of all dreams. So if you just allow yourself to focus on what's most important to you, I think the problem is most people don't sit down to take the time to, to figure out what's most important to them. They just sort of flop around in life freaking out that they got too much on their plate. So specifics are the key to freedom. So getting specific about what it is you want to create and taking it one piece at a time makes life lovely and manageable. And if you try to do it all at once, you're going to be in the fetal position on the floor. I love that. I think it's a great place for us to stop. Happy New Year again, Jen. The book is You're a Badass Every Day and people can find this flipping everywhere, right? Yeah. And then go to my website, youarebadass.com or jensincero.com and find it there as well. Thanks for hanging out with us again, Jen. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. It's such a pleasure to talk to you again. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And like halftime at the Super Bowl, welcome to our New Year's extravaganza. To pay respect to the history of our fine country and to remember all of those financial podcasts that have gone before us, ladies and gentlemen, for your listening pleasure, I'm going to recreate that date back in 1884 when a famous ringmaster walked not one, not two, but 21 elephants across the Brooklyn Bridge whose construction, by the way, had started on this date back in 1870. How will I commemorate this event, you ask? Ladies and gentlemen, you can't see it, but I've built what Joe's mom calls a perfect replica of the Brooklyn Bridge here in the basement, out of popsicle sticks, and in just a moment, I'm going to unleash 21 cats I've gathered up, risking life and limb from around the neighborhood... And one by one, they'll all walk across this fine bridge. Gather around your listening device, folks, because this is a first-time-ever feat for a financial podcast that you're not going to want to miss. First, Steve will add in some ambient New York City noise to set the mood. Steve? Okay. And now, I'm opening up the first cat cage. Here comes Lucy. Here, here Lucy. Up, up here, girl. And Lucy walks right across the bridge. No, 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 no. Keep, keep walking. Good, good girl. Okay. Yeah, you think that's great, Radio. In just a second, I plan to create 2019's first viral podcast moment when I'll unlock all the cages. But first, here's your trivia question. In 1884, what famous circus ringmaster walked 21 elephants across the Brooklyn Bridge to prove its safety? I'll be back with your answer and our 2019 New Year's Cat Bridge Walk Basement Spectacular in just a moment. Well, if you're the ringmaster of your circus at work, or maybe you think you need a better ringmaster, you need to juggle better, or it feels like every day is a high wire trapeze or the animals need to be better trained. I don't know how well I can push that. Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Stacking Benjamins. If you're trying to hire somebody for your circus at work, you know it's hard with the new year ahead. It's a great time to set goals to make sure it will be a strong year for you and for your business. Making that perfect hire can help set up your team for success. 
it's funny, this particular ringmaster in Doug's trivia made sure it was a success by not just having the right people around them, but by making sure it was a very diverse group of people that no one uh, had seen before elsewhere. And even if they had seen them before elsewhere, well, I don't want to give it away too much, but even if they had seen them before, he made sure to make people think that they hadn't seen them before. Does that give it away? I don't know. You can post on a job board and hope the right person's going to apply for your job, but why would you leave it up to chance when you can post your job where people go every day to make connections, grow in their career, and discover job opportunities? LinkedIn. Most LinkedIn members aren't checking job boards regularly, but nine out of 10 LinkedIn members are open to and interested in new opportunities just like yours. With many of the U.S. workforce on LinkedIn, posting on LinkedIn is the best way to get your job opportunity in front of more of the right people. People with the right skills and background for your role who are ready for something new. It's the best way to find the person who help you grow your business and why a new hire is made every eight seconds. Every eight seconds is a new hire made on LinkedIn. Find the right people for your business this year at linkedin.com slash SB and they'll give you $50 off your first job post for using our link. That's linkedin.com slash SB to get $50 off your first job post, linkedin.com slash SB terms and conditions apply. You will be the best ringmaster of the best circus. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor. And I know you've been waiting patiently to Twitter or Insta chat about what you're about to hear. So without delay, Let's get you to your trivia so we can launch the 2019 New Year's Brooklyn Bridge Replica Catwalk event. Here was the question. In 1884, what famous circus ringmaster walked 21 elephants across the Brooklyn Bridge to prove its safety? While he said it was to prove how safe the bridge was, I'm fairly certain it had more to do with his ability to promote just about anything. In May of 1884, it was P.T. Barnum, of course, who walked 21 elephants across the Brooklyn Bridge. Okay, to commemorate and remember that fine event, we'll unlock all of the cages. Lucy Din Din Cookie Red Lollipop Muffin. No, uh, uh, Badger back, back over here. Uh, Lucy over the. Oh, no, 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 you gotta go. Cookie, don't rub along the sky. Somebody grab Red and bring him back down. Cookie, no, you can't push him. Din Din and Lollipop! Mother... Get on the mother bridge, you stupid cats! I am not messing around. Okay, folks, we'll continue this extravaganza once somebody goes and grabs red and muffin. Come on! Not sure I could have predicted that that would have gone as swimmingly as it did. He's trying to herd cats. Amazing. And he was so excited about starting off 2019 with the biggest thing you ever heard on a financial podcast. There went his uh, resolution of no swearing in public. (laughs) Yeah. Gone at the, what, 30 minute mark of the show. You know, it still is, by the way, even though I don't think it worked the way he intended to. How many other financial podcasts try to herd cats on the show? I ask you. (laughs) Your shirt's. Got some cats on it. No? No, it's got a gazelle. It's uh, Dave Ramsey's Gazelle Intense. You can buy uh, this t-shirt at our store, stackybedjamins.com forward slash And if you bought more than one of them, you could buy Joe an iron and he could iron his clothes so he doesn't look like a wrinkle grenade. Whoa. (laughs) Sitting right here, dude. 
I didn't know it was Fashionista Wednesday on the show. Clearly. You're killing me. Hey, let's throw out Dave and Lifeline, OG. Maybe try to say something nice here. We'll tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they're celebrating the new year by putting what you value first. The thing I value the most uh, right now is when Doug cleans the litter box from time to time. Holy cow. I'm, I'm with you there. It's actually your loved ones in your time and they'll spend time in a basement if the litter box is clean. That's why they made buying term life insurance actually easy. Their application simple and online. You get instant coverage. Their prices are affordable. All policies issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, more than 160-year-old insurer. By the way, I misspoke right there. I said you get instant coverage. You get an instant coverage decision. <laughs> there might be somebody out. Oh, instant coverage? Bam. That would be great. You'll get a decision right away. No waiting several weeks. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote. That's stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. And of course, somebody's taking home the Haven Life Greatest Money Show on Earth t-shirt. And today, that'll be Mike, because we're going to throw the Haven Life line out to him. Say hi, Mike. Hey, guys. Uh, before I get into my question, I first just want to say thank you for everything you guys do. I know it's a lot of hard work, but it's much appreciated. So thank you and keep up the good work. I have a two-part question today regarding my mom's portfolio plan. I was hoping you guys might be able to help me out with. She's currently 58 and a half, planning on retiring here soon after being with her current company for over 40 years. In doing some research, it appears that there's a quote-unquote rule of 55, which allows for penalty-free distributions from a 401k as long as the funds are taken out of the plan of her last employer, which she's only had one, and that the money stays within the 401k plan until at least age 59 and a half. Her current 401k plan has good investment options and low fees, so this isn't something I'm worried about, but I wanted to make sure I'm correct in understanding the rule of 55. Also, she has an ESOP program offered through her employer. The company was recently restructured, which allowed employees that were invested in the ESOP program to sell their shares within the ESOP program at a significantly higher valuation. The proceeds of the sale were deposited into her 401k and vaulted to a stable value fund. She's hesitant to do anything aggressive with it since the money is so new and such a substantial amount of money. It nearly doubled her 401k balance. The stable value fund that the funds were deposited into has a very high expense ratio in comparison to some of the low-fee index funds that are offered by the plan. Being so close to retirement and that the money is so new, what do you guys think I should do? I'm trying to convince her to at least do a 50-50 allocation in a stock index and bond index fund that are low-fee, but I wanted to make sure that that wasn't a crazy idea before doing so. Again, thank you for everything you guys do. Very much appreciated and look forward to hearing your answers. Thanks. Thanks, Mike, for the kind words. Anybody who wants to help out their mom with their portfolio, always appreciated. Well, maybe not always appreciated by the family members. Not who, appreciated by mom ever. Who who yeah. knows? But uh, what do you think, OG? So firstly, on the 55 thing, sounds like you read it out of a textbook. So uh, you got it. As long as the money stays in the plan between 55 and 59 and a half, uh, you can make withdrawals from the plan uh, without the 10% penalty. So you want to be be sure not to roll that over to an IRA. The other thing is, is that I didn't hear you mention this, is that you must separate from service after your 55th year. You can't retire at 52 and then wait three years and start taking money out of your 401k at 55. Your age of separation needs to be, basically your retirement age needs to be 55 or later also. So I didn't hear you say that. As far as the investing side goes, this is the part where everybody kind of falls down on. And you said it twice. 
which reminds me that this is just kind of the common parlance and it's something that we have to strike from our minds. The idea of, quote, I'm close to retirement, therefore, dot, 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 dot. And you said, hey, mom's really close to retirement. Should she be conservative? No. She might be close to retirement, but that has nothing to do with how your money has to be invested. I'm assuming if mom is in her mid-50s, she's planning on being around for the next, oh, I don't know, 40 plus years or so. And you're probably having planning on her being around the next 40 plus years. So some of that ESOP money that's sitting in her stable value fund getting darn near nothing in return is going to get cut in half every 20 years with inflation if you don't get that money invested. She needs to have money when she's 95. I get it. She needs to have money when she's 55 too. So set aside money for 55. That's fine. That should be nice and conservative and you know whatever. But the age 65 money and the age 75 money and the age 85 money and the age 95 money, that needs to be invested because there's no way to keep up with inflation if you have your money in cash or fixed income. Well, and it is funny because it sounds like she's hung up on the fact that this is stable money. Probably, I would guess, hearing a little bit of the news that the market has been a little unfriendly the last uh, month or two. But the stable value fund was the default that it defaulted into. So I think you need to take that out of the equation and go, listen, mom, you had this in a single stock. What we're doing... It was the most aggressive thing possible. This is a micro cap This is super less aggressive and better long term than where it was in a single stock. Let's diversify it. And putting it in a place where it has to earn dollar for dollar, you know, just because it's only hopefully keeping up with inflation, but it's not outpacing it. You're, as you said, OG, you're making it hard on yourself. So if you want to make it a little easier on yourself, invest it for the time frame when you're going to need it. Well, and I think that it's really important also, like you said, to mention and to reflect back on where that money was before it was in the stable value fund. You know, also your 401k provider should be summarily retired by having the the default be the stable value fund. But but nevertheless, this money was in a really, really, really aggressive position up to a couple months ago when the company was was liquidated or restructured or whatever. And, so and and just to pivot away from Mike and his dilemma with his mom, this whole idea of the stable value fund and then not wanting to invest the money, this kids is the reason why you don't move money out of the market ever. Instead, you leave the money invested in the place where you want it to be long-term. Because not only, and you've said this a bajillion times, OG, do you have to be right twice? The psychology that you employ once you're out of the market is absolutely flipping horrible. Because maybe you're right about the first time, when to get out. Then that money's sitting in cash. And you know what happens when you're in cash? You've got the same baloney dilemma that Mike's mom has right now, which is, well, it's safe where it is now. I don't want it to move around at all after it's safe. Is the market going to go down? Is it going to go up? And you then unfairly judge your entire investing strategy based on what it does the first 20 or 30 days it gets reinvested, which is absolutely nonsense or horrible. I remember I was a financial advisor for maybe a year when one of the managers that I worked with told me that he said he was helping me put together this client meeting where they were coming in to review everything. He's like, okay, we got to find something to sell. And I said, why? He said, well, because the market's down. And so we have to stick it on one of these funds. 
I'm like, why do we got to stick it on one of these funds? <laughs> he goes, because the client's either going to get rid of one of these funds or they're going to get rid of you. He said, so if you're in charge, you're going to say, fire this fund. It's like when a head coach loses and they fire the offensive coordinator. Right? I mean, for, for sports fans out there, people aren't sports fans, don't understand that. But but yeah. there's got to be some victim. And And I still think at the time I was horrified and I'm still horrified. And I think how horrible the fun that we ended up selling was not the problem. We evaluated it over a very short time frame, and then made that the, made that the problem. And by the way, as somebody's advisor, then we told our client to do the wrong thing and to evaluate their funds in the wrong way. It drives me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Is this money invested uh, for mom or remove yourself from ever worrying about it again. Yeah, invest it based on when she's going to spend it. Nice job, by the way, Mike, looking up the uh, 401k rule. A lot of people don't know that. And when they go meet with a commission-based advisor, that advisor will tell them to roll it into an IRA. And if mom's, you know, not 59 and a half yet, wants to get some of that money before 59 and a half, meh, just uh, wreck that by not knowing all the rules. So nice job there with the 401k rule. We also get letters down here in the basement. This one comes to us from Josh. Josh says... Joe and OG, I'm a 30-year-old truck driver looking for health insurance. My company offers a very high deductible plan, but it's not HSA compatible. I make way more money than I need in order to survive considering I live in the truck and I'd love to have access to such an amazing tax shelter as the HSA. Wasn't sure where to start looking, so I went to the ACA website and input my information like I'd done years ago. However, I was immediately inundated with relentless phone calls and text messages. They use made-up numbers from area codes near mine, and there's no way to get them to stop calling. I even tried the Do Not Call registry. It's been three weeks, and I still receive 10 to 15 calls a day. I hope you read this question on your show so that others don't have to endure this. I'd also like to know where I should go to find insurance and not have this problem. Isn't it great that we all get free healthcare and it covers everything exactly the way that we hoped? This is the price <clears throat> of free, I guess. Um, I am unaware, other than actually going to an insurance company, like thinking, okay, um, I live in Montana, so I'll go to Blue Cross of Montana website and trying to do it that way. As an entrepreneur and a business owner, I can tell you that it largely varies state to state as to what programs are available. But in my experience, almost all insurance companies are going to direct you back to the healthcare.gov website to find out what is available in your area. Now, I do know that there's a spot in there that you can mark the box that says, I'd like a HSA approved plan. And you can go through the details there. I know in our county, for example, we don't have any HSA approved plans. They just don't exist, which is BS times a thousand. And we have the same thing that you do, a really high deductible plan. That doesn't come with the, an cool, HSA. the cool part of the high deductible plan, which is an HSA. So it is what it is. That's going to be your best bet is to look on the uh, healthcare.gov website unless you're, you know, interested in, in just like literally drumming up ideas of insurance companies. Like I'll look at United Healthcare, I'll look at Cigna, I'll look at Aetna, I'll look at Blue Cross. I'll, you know, those are kind of the ones that popped in my head right now. But in my experience, they're all going to direct you back to the ACA website anyway. It gets frustrating when you've got uh, one party that set the stuff up, another party that wants to dismantle it. And so you end up with this middle ground where it just sucks. 
Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. And not that it was going to be great in the first place. I mean, I don't want to make any type of political commentary there, but, but whether it was going to be great or whether it was going to suck, we have something that isn't either one of those. It's, it's, I can tell you exactly why it costs so damn much money is because they sent, I'm not joking, at least 20 pages of paper a week to our house. The insurance company. Just hey, uh, just just to let you know, um, we got your payment. Like, yeah, I know. Paid it online, just like I do all my other bills. I didn't need a 20-page document to say that I got one. Hey, just to, just, just wanted to let you know, um, we got your last payment. Also, there's another one due. It will be due next week or next month. Like, yeah, yeah, I know that. That's how same health insurance as, works. Same got time it. as last month? Yeah. Yep, same time. Same same amount. Hey, just, just wanted to remind you... Um, you have health insurance in case you needed it. Like, yep, got it. Thank you. Thank you for the reminder via mail. Could I do this electronically? Sure, absolutely. We'll also continue to send it to you via mail just because we want to congratulate you with paper. Studies have shown, by the way, that uh, that the ACA works better in uh, some states than in others, specifically works better in the states where they wanted to succeed and works horribly in the states where they don't want it to succeed. And, uh, I'm yeah, not, I'm not, course. I'm not saying it's working well anywhere, but, um, th- but, but I think also based on the fact that you're in the state of Texas, there, there may be some state mandated, uh, paperwork going oh, out. It is purely a political game, you know, and trying not to have any of the, uh, you know, political opinions about the whole thing in general, because that's not the time or the place for that. But, but we are it, stuck I, in the middle. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. I think what you said was, you know, you got half the country that wants it to succeed. You got half the country that wants to make it explode. And the people who are affected by it is everybody uh, a lot. The 300 million (laughs) Americans are stuck in the middle at the whims of, you know, roughly, what is it, about 536 people, you know, give or take, plus a couple uh, Supreme Court justices. So 545 people uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. Anyways, so yeah. Hey, a uh, couple Good luck, things, everybody. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the question, Josh. And by the way, thanks for writing in about uh, that issue. Just a couple house cleaning items as we start off 2019. Number one is we've been asked in 2018 a lot if there is a page on the site specifically to find sponsors of the show, because we rigorously go through who our sponsors are, who our partners are before we accept anybody. So if you want to know who they are in the past, we haven't because of the fact that we have different sponsors work on different episodes. As an example here at the start of the years, you're getting new, new skills, Skillshare and LinkedIn obviously want to be here at the beginning of the year. But we have a page on the website now that has the full list of our current sponsors for Stacking Benjamins. Just head to stackingbenjamins.com and on the top menu, you'll see sponsors of the show. Click that and you can get links to everybody, including the offers that they have that are only for Stacking Benjamins listeners. So uh, thanks cool. to everybody, by the way, who supports the companies that support the show and keep us podcasting. Last is if you're somebody who's ready to get your financial plan started, speaking of turnover, new leaf in 2019, and you need a better team in place, OG's team is ready to go in 2019. So to find out how to plug them into your financial plan, stackybedjamins.com forward slash OG for more there. That's going to do it. Happy new year, big guy. To you as well. I'm going to go back to the, uh, 
couch and watch the rest of football for the next three days until <laughs> I actually have to go back to work next Monday. It's so fantastic. I love this time of year. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't like unpacking the basement. I was going to say, how's the move going? Yeah, yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> Look, I'm so busy. Got to head home. Yeah. Good chat. See ya. Back it's on like an a, airplane. Yeah, we got boxes Everybody's wondering all over how the place. we're doing that with me living in Texas and uh, the basement up in Michigan. And let me just tell you, American Airlines loves stacking Benjamins. Big fans. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. That's going to do it. Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what did we learn today? First, take some advice from Jen Sincero. Want to make big changes in 2019? Change the way you talk to yourself. Set up your mornings to win and launch into your day. Second, worried about money at work? Maybe slip the article about workplace worry and how much it hurts productivity onto your boss's desk. She'll thank you, I'm sure. But the big lesson? While tabby cats and cats with dots are cool, always include exotic cats in your spectacular. I found this little guy with a white stripe down his back, and man, is he friendly. He just wants to snuggle up to you. Oh, look at him lifting his tail. You can find more from Jen Sincero, including her new book, You Are a Badass Every Day, at her jensincero.com website or in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm pretty much the guy in charge of everything around here. Trust me, this well-oiled machine didn't get like this all by itself. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Oh boy, oh boy, striped cat, bad idea. Oh, no. Jen's, oh, Joe's mom's going to kill me. Saw a lot of movies over the holidays. Saw a bundle of movies, but I want to go back to one of the first ones that I saw because this one is up for all kinds of awards. It was very surprising. I had no interest, by the way, in going to see this until I read a bunch of the reviews. This is a cartoon called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. My name 
is Peter Parker. I'm pretty sure you know the rest. I saved the city, fell in love, then I saved the city again, and again, and again. Look, I'm a comic book, a serial, I get a Christmas album, and a so-so popsicle. But this isn't about me. Not anymore. Spider-Man swings in, wants a day, zip-zaps up in his little mask, and answers to no one. I love you, Miles. Yeah, I know, Dad. You gotta say I love you back. Dad, are you serious? I, I wanna, wanna hear it. it. Look at this place. Dad, I love you. Dad, I love you. That's a copy. My name is Miles Morales. I'm the one and only Spider-Man. At least that's what I thought. You ever hear the Super Collider? You're gonna love this. Dimension opening now. You're like me. That's impossible. All right, kid, listen up. This fry is your universe. It's soggy, it's weird, it's gross. And this delicious normal fry is my universe. So you want to learn to be Spider-Man. Can you teach me? Yes, I can. Time to swing. Ah, Good, doing you're doing it. it. Double tap to release and whip it out again. Okay. Whip and release. You're a natural. Whip. Hey, guys. Who are you? I'm Gwen Stacy. I'm from another, another dimension. How many more spider people are there? Hey, fellas. Hello. This could literally not get any weirder. It can get weirder. Okay. We need to get back to our... And uh, one of those voices was the voice of Nick Offerman, who is uh, the noir version of Spider-Man. Anytime you put Nick Offerman as a character in any movie, OG, I immediately get probably uh, 10 times more interested. I am a big fan of him, so I'll listen to the rest of your review. Uh, so this this movie, of course, Spider-Man's been rebooted half a billion times, making me increasingly yawn because uh, I, I just don't care. And yet, when I started reading the reviews, I said, all right, I got to go see what all the hype is about. And I'll tell you what the hype is about. Hype is about the fact that although this is a superhero movie, it really is a movie about a kid. You heard him with his dad. His dad is a police officer, makes him in front of all of his friends at school say, I love you back. And imagine the horror of being a eighth grader or a freshman in high school and having to say, I love you to your dad really, really loud while everybody in high school listens to you. And so this idea of growing up, of self-confidence, lack of self-confidence, about finding your place in the world, about who you are. Uh, there's a great line in this movie where he says, how do I know when I'm ready? How am I going to know when I'm ready? And the answer back, OG, is the one that you and I already know, which is you don't. You've got no idea. Uh, I thought as a plot line for a superhero movie, it's another superhero movie. The, the funny thing is, is that the plot itself is so not even important that the actual characters who are flipping hilarious from the Nick Offerman character to the guy doing Peter Parker to Miles, this uh, new Spider-Man uh, person to even the, the problems going on in the bad guy's life. Like these are all not superhero issues. These are people dealing with everyday stuff and just happens to uh, encapsulate super. And, and, and by the way, increasingly, those are my favorite. Those are my favorite superhero movies. The ones that are more about what it's like to be human. So 
uh, Deadpool and the comedy that comes with it, even though that's way over the top, it's, it's the humor. It's not the superhero stuff, but it's the humor. It's the, this guy's dealing with, you know, the death of somebody who's really close to him. That's the fun part of it. When I watch Big Hero 6, the, the Disney movie, same thing. It wasn't about the superhero stuff. Very good movie. If you're going to see... So you liked it, huh? Well, and what's funny is, is that, you know, most of the time, if you want to go see a fantastic animated movie, go see a Pixar movie. Because you know, at the very least, it's going to be a seven on a scale of one to ten. But then every once in a yeah. while, a movie by somebody else comes along. And I don't know this year if there are Pixar or Disney animated movies up against uh, Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse f- when award season comes around. Tell you what, I haven't seen every kid's movie out there. But uh, did you like the Lego movie? The first one? Yeah. Yeah. Everything is awesome. This is probably, with the exception of, I'd have to put Coco up there. So I'd say this Coco and the Lego movie, I liked on a continuum of very, very, very much. Those three, those three films, fantastic movies. The rest of them, you know, okay, decent stuff. But I really think, oh, gee, that you'd like this. I know there's a 0.0% chance you're going to go see it. I think you're missing out. Okay, good to know. (laughs) I think you're probably right. There is a 0.0 chance that I will see it. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.